Hello. In this week's show, two in three children in Ukraine have now had to flee the war since the Russian invasion. UNICEF takes no pleasure in telling us. While UN humanitarians have confirmed that they're now helping the first 300 evacuees from the devastated Azovstal steelworks plant in Mariupol. And as refugee numbers rise globally, we'll be finding out what soul legend Dion Warwick thinks about this growing global emergency. Also, to mark World Press Freedom Day earlier this week, we got in touch with pencil-sharp political cartoonist Patrick Chapat for his assessment of the dangers facing journalists. It's not funny, sadly. As ever, co-host Solange Behotegui-Cortes will be on hand to wrap things up, with a little help from Roger Rabbit. First, the news. Nearly two in three children in Ukraine have had to flee fighting as they face the nightmare of war, UNICEF said on Thursday. Many have seen things no child should ever see, the UN Children's Fund said in a statement, noting that their homes have been hit and their schools have been attacked, along with all the systems that could help them survive. Hundreds of children have not survived, many succumbing to explosive weapons, which have also maimed hundreds of other children, UNICEF added. The UN agency insisted that every minute counts in the effort to help all children affected by the war. But reaching them remains extremely challenging, especially in parts of eastern Ukraine where shelling and attacks are continuous. Since the Russian invasion on the 24th of February, UNICEF and partners have delivered millions of dollars worth of emergency supplies to hospitals, shelters, train stations, schools and child protection centres. The agency has also trucked in safe water for over a million people, while outside Ukraine it has set up child protection programmes with education, healthcare and social protection support. Staying with Ukraine, as latest data showed that more than 5.7 million people have now fled the country since the war started, the UN refugee agency UNHCR has launched a music campaign to promote solidarity with displaced people everywhere. Together with TikTok and music legend Dionne Warwick, UNHCR is calling for safe and legal access to asylum for all, backed up by live concerts from artists all over the world that will be shared online. Ms Warwick's song, What the World Needs Now, provided the inspiration behind the campaign's name, and it renews a historic partnership with the singer that goes back to 1968. At that time, there were fewer than 4 million refugees, but today there are well over 85 million displaced globally. There has never been a more important time to stand in solidarity and show support for people around the world who've been forced to flee from their homes, Ms Warwick said. The headlines there. Now, all this week we've been celebrating and thinking about World Press Freedom Day, which is on May the 3rd every year. Here in Geneva, one of the defenders of a free media is the political cartoonist Patrick Chapat. His work features in leading international newspapers and journals. In addition to his prolific output, Mr Chapat is also president of the Freedom Cartoonists Foundation. And to coincide with World Press Freedom Day this year, it's unveiled a new exhibition in Geneva featuring drawings by other top illustrators who take great risks to stand up to authority. Here's Patrick Chapat now explaining how he goes about choosing what to draw and why it's so important to push back against those who would stifle free speech. There are foundations in Geneva which has been bestowing an award since 2012, an international award to salute cartoonists not only for their talent but for their courage. We thought it would be very important to mark this World Press Freedom Day, taking cartoons as something symbolic, a symbol of a free press. 
Uh, you know, cartoons, political cartoons were born with the fight for a free press. Uh, you can think of, of that particular story in France in the 19th century, the very courageous fight for newspapers to exist and free voices to exist was accompanied by political cartoons, which brought some of the cartoonists in jail. And we can think of Daumier, the godfather of cartoonists, and his editor, Philippon, taking on the king. So in that memory, we wanted to mark World Press Freedom Day, not only to salute cartoonists, but to salute journalists. Journalists who have been paying a huge toll, if you think of the Ukraine war right now, the number of journalists who have been killed or wounded, Journalists who are at the forefront of a global fight for democracy through the fight against fake news. And I think that real information and real journalism is more important today, more important than ever. That's why we wanted to pay tribute not only to political cartooning, but to journalism and a free press. So maybe we could just dig a little bit deeper into the Freedom Cartoonist Foundation Awards this year. What's the representation from across the globe that you're putting on display in Geneva at the moment? So we've been giving this award since 2012. We had winners from Iran, the young generation of Iranian cartoonists, half in exile, half still in Tehran. We had winners from Palestine, Egypt. We had anti-corruption cartoonists who won in Malaysia and in Kenya. And four years ago, because again, COVID happened two years ago and we were not able to give the award. Four years ago, we gave our award to Muzakart of Turkey, a man who was in jail. He was not able to come to Geneva to receive his award. His wife has to come in his place. He was jailed for what? For doing cartoons in Turkey's Erdogan. That's the reality on the ground today for some cartoonists. So it's a big moment for us. It had been four years since the last award. So we wanted to make it really a very powerful and strong moment. We were pleased to announce that the award will now be named the Kofi Annan Courage in Cartooning Award. And that's with the Kofi Annan Foundation's blessing and in memory of Kofi Annan, who was, and that's not well known, not, not only a Nobel Peace Laureate, not only the, the former, of course, UN Secretary General, but he was a, a big fan and defensor of political cartoons. I was going to ask you about that. Why do you think Kofi Annan was so keen on cartoons? Because they can be so undiplomatic and dangerous. <laughs> cartoons are such an easy target. Why is that, do you think? Uh, you could imagine maybe for wrong reasons, in the sense that politicians like to see themselves represented, especially in cartoons, even if it's, you know, the, the slogan, bad publicity is still publicity and being in a cartoon is seen as a badge of honor, even if it's a tough cartoon. But knowing Kofi Annan, I know he was a big proponent of the arts and of political cartoons. And to give you an example, he was, you know, a very discreet person, Kofi. When Muzakart was not able to come to Geneva to receive his award, I know that Kofi Annan shared with us that he had personally written to Erdogan, to the president of Turkey, to plead the cause of Muzakart. So you can see that his involvement, it was not just symbolic, it was a real involvement because I think he believed very strongly in the power of cartoons and in the importance of critical voices and of a free press. That is the conviction I got with my dealings with him. And that's why we thought it would be a good idea to have his name representing this award. 
thank you for that. And of course, he's well known for his wonderful smile and sense of humour. So that's perhaps also where the cartoons come in. Nonetheless, there are huge concerns around the world, not only Ukraine. There are so many crises, forgotten crises from Syria to the Central African Republic, Yemen, could go on. 29 journalists have also been killed so far this year from Haiti to Myanmar, Mexico, Pakistan, Ukraine and beyond. Is it worth the risk to keep putting people's lives in danger? Oh my, is it worth the risk to defend democracy and to defend freedom? Of course, people will answer people on the ground. I'm, I'm talking on behalf of, of journalists, of uh, not only journalists going to dangerous places, but journalists here in newsrooms doing the very important work of investigative journalism. And I'm talking also of political cartoonists who are often described as the canary in the coal mine. You know, the, when the canary dies, it means that there is danger in the air. And when the people in power target cartoonists, very often it's a barometer of freedom in a society. And it's very often the cartoonist who gets targeted first. And if you look at the laureates of our prize this year, I think they both uh, really symbolize those uh, dangers to democracy and to peace that we are facing today. One of them is Gabor Papai from uh, Hungary. And that is a country at the heart of the European Union where civil liberties and freedom of the press are being more and more squeezed. And he has been targeted personally for his cartoons. And then you have Vladimir Kazanevsky, a beautiful, wonderful cartoonist from Ukraine who had to flee his country under bombs and under attack and is now in Slovakia, still doing the important work of denouncing the aggression and caricaturing Putin, Putin the aggressor, showing that the king is naked. Putin is naked in Vladimir's cartoons. So thanks very much indeed to the brilliant Patrick Chapat. To see the work of the winners of the Kofi Annan Courage in Cartooning Award 2022 that's been unveiled in an exhibition by the Lakeside here in Geneva, just go online and search for the Swiss Freedom Cartoonist Foundation. It's excellent and thought-provoking, as I'm sure our regular guest, Solange Behatege Cortes, will agree. Isn't that right, Sol? <laughs> right, Daniel. How are you? Well, as Chapate said in one of the, his cartoons, without humor, we are all dead. In his world, being a journalist is often a matter of life or death. With so many journalists killed or in prison, we all know that a pencil is more than just a tool for drawing. In every cartoon, and au bout du crayon, as we say in French, which means beyond the tip of the pencil, we can learn of a thousand reasons to fight for freedom, for liberty, for facts, for democracy. A broken pencil should not be an option. You may remember the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Well, Roger Rabbit said, laughter can be a very powerful thing why sometimes in life it's the only weapon we have. The political cartoonists Vladimir Kazanevsky from Ukraine and Gabor Papai from Hungary, who Chapate mentioned, have talent and courage. With their drawings, they show us the worst aspect of life, but at the same time, they make us laugh and think. I don't think 
that the world is divided into good guys and bad guys. The world is much more complex than that. A cartoon itself is not good or bad. In the immortal words of Jessica Rabbit, I'm not bad, I'm just drowned that way. In the last scene of the film, the weasels laugh themselves to death, literally. Today, we have to fight even to laugh sometimes. It's not funny. It's not a joke. Cartoonists slay us with humor, but they are often slain with bullets or bullying. A political cartoon is powerful because it makes us laugh while showing us a terrifying reality. Daniel, we need more cartoonists around the world to draw peace. Absolutely, Sol. Of course we do. And we are, I'm certainly more aware of the dangers they face. And uh, we covered that with uh, Patrick Chapat uh, quite fully, I think. I'm afraid that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Sol, for the Roger Rabbit reference. It made me giggle. Thank you, listeners, for being with us again today. We do appreciate you following and sharing the podcast and taking an interest in what's happening at the United Nations. We will be back next week. Until then, bye-bye for now. Ciao, Daniel. Ciao, Daniel.